Well, there's nothing worse than an awkward conversation, right? Maybe this is a, a relatable post that you can relate to. That awkward moment when you don't know how to continue a conversation. And whenever I get into one of those awkward conversations, I just want to kind of get out of there as fast as I can. And there are so many things that can make a conversation awkward, right? You know, bad topics, awkward topics, volume, silences, those awkward silences where no one speaks, or, you know, the spacing between words, or perhaps you've experienced some of those Murphy-type laws of conversation. Here are a couple that I've certainly experienced. The people who talk the most stay the longest. Right? You can relate to that. The people who talk the most stay the longest. Or, this is even worse, the most awkward silences come when you're talking to the most important people. You can relate to that, right? Awkward conversations. And all of this, as I think about this, makes me so amazed that God has never, ever rescinded our prayer privileges. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Spiritually speaking, most of us, spiritually speaking, smell bad. We kind of rush right into God's presence with the stench of sin all over us. And what do we do? We demand what we want. We start asking for things. We kind of adopt the Spice Girls approach to prayer. I mentioned it one night. I spoke at the source. Do you remember the Spice Girls from the 90s? You might have a CD in the house somewhere, right? Steve. Steve has to have. And uh, the Spice Girls, their big song was wannabe. I'll tell you what I want. Well, what I really, really want. Well, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Many of us come to God with that kind of a mindset when it comes to prayer. We go to God, God, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And we imagine God goes, well, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Well, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. And we come off with our wish list to God. We talk God's ear raw with requests and wishes, and we... Don't even often consider what God might feel about it, what God might want. Then we rush out just as rudely as we crashed in. But God keeps letting us pray. He even takes delight in our prayers. And that is is something we should never cease to to be grateful for. However, just because God is gracious to us doesn't mean we shouldn't work to improve the way we pray to Him, and our style of speaking to Him. Effective prayer is an art, not because it uses flowery language or sacred words, but because it employs Scripture, and it uses scriptural principles. So, this morning, just for a few minutes, we want to explore prayer. We want to explore what it is to be simple, to be shameless, to be secure as we come to God in prayer. So, If you've got the Bible there, please open up at Luke chapter 11. We've had a reading from from Matthew. 
Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because you are shameless, of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks or sees, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? First thought this morning is be simple. Because prayer is this mechanism that God has given us by which our relationship with God is sustained. It's the ultimate demonstration of trust that we can make towards God. And it's one of the simplest acts that a human being can perform. It's our first act when we come into relationship with God. And first and foremost, prayer is an act of love. We don't need to have attained a certain level of education before we can set about praying. I readily use a computer every day. I use a smartphone every day. I have no idea how that thing works. All I know is that when I turn it on and I press buttons or I swipe apps, it does what I want it to do. But on those times... Those rare times, because I use a Mac, those rare times that it doesn't work properly, I'm kind of stumped. I don't know what to do about it. i got to hit the internet and check out YouTube and check out different forums to try and figure out the problem. I don't know how to fix it. Or I could ask my 13-year-old daughter. And, but the reality is I can use that every day without knowing exactly how it works. I can use it to accomplish the tasks that I want it to do. All I'm concerned about is to get what I need to do with it. And I would say in the same way we're not required to understand the mechanics of what's going on before we can pray. What we need to be sure to do is to get down to praying. We don't need to attain a certain level of education or expertise before we can pray. And often prayers treated as kind of like the speciality subject left to a select minority in the church who've got that gift 
to prayer. But yet, in the Bible, it's pretty clear that God seems prayer to be an activity which is intended for everyone. God's constantly calling people to meet with Him. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Prayer is to be something which is part of our lives constantly. And the Lord's Prayer that we've read together this morning in, in Matthew's Gospel, and again just here in Luke chapter 11, is recorded for us. It's short, sweet, simple, beautiful prayer that Jesus gives us. And the disciples here in Luke 11 had been with Jesus for, for quite a while. They'd seen Jesus in action. They'd heard Jesus' teaching. They'd seen Jesus perform miracles. They'd seen Jesus react to the Pharisees. They saw Jesus react when, when people provoked him. And they saw the reaction that he provoked in people. They knew his habits. They knew his routine. And they knew that Jesus would often slip away by himself to pray. So they come to him. And here in Luke 11, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Just like John taught his disciples. Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And this request is really significant. Because this is the only time in the Gospels where the disciples are recorded as asking Jesus how to do anything. They don't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you teach us how to preach like you preach because you're, like, you're really good? Or they don't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you teach us to do miracles? We'd love to do miracles like that, Jesus. No. This is the only time they're recorded as coming and asking Jesus, how do we do anything? And they want to know how to pray. There must have been something incredibly compelling about the life of Jesus, a life that was immersed in prayer and conversation consistently with the Father that these disciples saw and they wanted it. It rubbed off on them. And Jesus' response was to give them the Lord's Prayer. And in Luke's account, only the disciples are present when Jesus uses this prayer. And he taught it. It's kind of a liturgy, a prayer that we can pray. pray. In Matthew 6, it forms part of Jesus' general teaching on, uh, to around about 5,000 people. So we could think of it there as kind of a set of headings. Jesus is teaching about what should Mark prayer. So we have these two ways we can use it, both as a prayer and as a framework for prayer and how our own prayers can be constructed. And Jesus lived in a culture of prayer. The Jews had a tradition of praying three times throughout the day. Remember Daniel? He'd pray at sunrise and 3 p.m. and sundown. And, and that, that tradition was probably well established by the time of Christ. Jesus doesn't suggest specific times of the day to pray. Just pray. Jewish daily prayer started with Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then they would have a series of 18 prayers that they would pray. It was called the, the Amidah, the standing prayers, because they would pray them standing. 
And when you look at the, the Jewish prayers, the, those prayers, and, and, and a lot of them would have, been, or would have been used at the time of Jesus, those, those 18 prayers, there's a lot of similarity between those prayers and the prayers that Jesus taught his disciples. There's also points of difference. And one big point of difference that I think we really got to grasp as we think about prayer being simple is the very first word that Jesus uses. He uses the word Abba. 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 Not the band, but the Aramaic word for our Father. Abba, when it was used, could mean our Father, but it was also used in the context of speaking to someone who was superior. And Jesus uses this phrase when he prays. Abba, an Aramaic word. He could have started his prayer that he taught his disciples with, with any of the other phrases found in the 18 standing prayers. He could have talked about the God of Jacob. He could have talked about God, our Savior. But he chose a different way. He chose a different word. He chose not a high Hebrew word, but he chose an Aramaic word. A word from the everyday language of the people. And that's how he referred to God, our Father, Abba. When you pray, pray like this, our Father. This was daily communication, not classical Hebrew. These disciples were going to pray, and it was going to be a normal, natural thing for them to do. Use a normal, natural language. There's no sacred language for prayer in Christianity. There's nothing impressive about the words of this prayer that Jesus gives us. But the heart behind it is incredibly beautiful. Each phrase communicates a humble trust in prayer. Prayer is meant to be simple. Some years ago, Val and I had the privilege of, of spending a little bit of time with Brandon Manning. We had some ice cream with him. And uh, some of you may know who Brennan Manning was. He was uh, a fantastic writer. His books are incredible. Um, a great speaker. And uh, a, a life just that was broken. Um, and his life is really a, it's a story of grace. And if, if you've not read his memoir, All is Grace, you really should. It's a great book. And uh, Brennan told the story about prayer. And, and Brennan told the story about when he was a young priest going to visit this man who was sick and ill at home. And he was terminally ill. And uh, it was nearing the, the end of his life, and his daughter had called to see if Brennan would come. Brennan was new to this parish. He came by the house, knocked on the door, and he was shown into the bedroom where this man was. And there was an empty chair just beside the bed. And Brennan said, oh, have you been expecting me? And the guy looked at him and went, no, who are you? He says, well, mine is Brennan. I'm just new to the parish, but I've come to visit you. Um, and I just wanted to, to see how you are, and I wanted to spend some time with you, and I wanted to pray with you. And the guy goes, prayer? 
says, while you're here, close the door. Come in, I want to talk to you about prayer. So Brennan closes the door and he comes in. The guy says, I have really struggled with prayer my whole life long. I've never really understood how it is and how it works and, and am I doing it right? And I talked to my pastor and he never really could give me a clear answer on it. He'd give me books to read and I couldn't understand them. I just got frustrated. Talked to my friend and my friend Joe said, well, when I pray, I should just imagine that the chair that's just beside me that, that's empty, just imagine Jesus sitting on that chair and, and I should have a conversation with him. And he said, Brennan, that's what I've been doing. And here I am, I'm stuck in this bed, I'm stuck in this room. And I've got this time, and all I've been doing every day is just, I've just imagined that, that Jesus is sitting in this chair and I've talked to him. Do you think I'm doing it right? And Brennan smiled and said, oh, you are doing it right. And he prayed with him and he laughed. And a few days later, he got a phone call from the man's daughter to tell him that, that he'd passed away. And Brennan asked, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that, but did he pass away peacefully? And his daughter said, Yeah, he did. But you know, Brennan, there was the strangest thing. Because when I went into the room and I found him, he was stretched out of the bed and his head was resting on the seat of the chair beside his bed. Brennan smiled. There was a man who understood that prayer was something that was to be simple. When we pray, we can be simple when we pray. And when we pray, we should be shameless when we pray. And in verses 5 to 8 of Luke 11, Jesus tells a story about a man asking a neighbor for bread in the middle of the night. I wonder, are there times do you feel that God has gone to sleep when you pray? That you can't seem to stir God awake. You can't get him up. Do you believe that God does not want to answer your prayers? God does want to answer our prayers, and God will answer our prayers, not according to what we want, but according to what he wants. And that's what this parable is saying here in, in Luke 11. It's a parable by contrast, not by comparison. Jesus isn't saying, your heavenly father's like the guy you can't wake up. Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. Jesus is saying, you don't have to knock down the door of heaven to attract God's attention. God is not reluctant to hear, and God is not reluctant to answer. Isaiah 65 verse 24 God's word says, before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. And the word that we find in verse 8, that's often translated boldness or persistence, or I love how the NIV puts it, shameless audacity, is this idea of shamelessness and boldness. Those two qualities combined. And the point is this, we can be shameless in asking God for anything that we need. God desires prayer, and I would say God desires prayer with nerve. Our request can be set before his table. 
Don't you think Bishop Isaac prayed with nerve? And look what God did with his prayer. That a church in Belfast, thousands of miles away, would be the answer. Our request can be set before God's table. The response is up to God. But the Lord desires that we share our heart with him. So be shameless when you pray. Last thought is this. Be secure when you pray. In verse 11 and 13 of, of, of Luke 11, there's a contrast between earthly fathers and our heavenly father. Most of us are completely confident and secure when we ask earthly parents for food. We know that they'll give us good things. So how much more secure should we be when we ask God for what we need? We're to come to our Father, God, knowing that His arms are open for us. I'm fortunate I had the gift of a father in my life who loved me. And I know that's not the story for everyone. But I know what it meant to be able to walk into his workshop or to walk into the living room or wherever he was and know that if I had a crucial need, he had an ear he was, uh, that was open to hear me. An ear that was leaning in my direction. A heart that was open to my pain. And the great lesson of a good father that Jesus lays out for us here in Luke chapter 11 is that a good father gives us a glimpse of a heavenly father who is good, who is better. One of the great moments... of the 1992 Barcelona Olympics was when Britain's Derek Redmond ran the 400 meters. This had been his dream all of his life, to run this race, to win the gold medal. And his dream was in sight when the starting gun sounded that day and Derek was to run the race of his life in the semifinals at Barcelona. He was a medal contender. They lined up at the starting blocks. And the pistol fired, and he ran. And he ran for all of his life. Every part of him. And then, as he turned into the back stretch, he felt the sharp pain in the back of his leg, And he went down on the track with a torn right hamstring. The dream was over. It was disaster. Can you imagine how he must have felt in that moment? As all those he could have easily run past, ran past him and finished the race. But as medical attendants were approaching, Derek Redmond fought to his feet. It was animal instinct, he would say later. And he set out hopping 
and a crazed attempt to reach the finish line. And when he reaches the stretch, you'll see a large man in a t-shirt would come out of the stands. And as the crowd began to cheer and rise to their feet and encourage Derek Redman on to finish his race, this man came alongside him, pushing security guards out of the way. And he ran to Derek and he had braced him. And it was his father, Jim. And his father, Jim, said to him, You don't have to do this, son. And Derek said, Yes, I do. Well then, said Jim, we're going to finish this race together. And they did, fighting off security guards and medical attendants. The son had sometimes buried in his father's shoulder. They stayed in the lane all the way to the end. And as the crowd wept and roared, Derek finished the race. He didn't walk away with a gold medal. But he walked away with an incredible memory of a father who, when he saw his son in pain, left his seat in the sands and came to help him finish his race. We have a loving father who won't let us go it alone. He left his place in heaven to come alongside us in the person of his son, Jesus, who's promised that he'll be with us to the very end of the age. We can be bold when we pray because he cares. We're, sec- we're, we're, we're secure in our relationship and in the embrace of our Father. Prayer is this moment-by-moment opportunity for the children of God to communicate with their Heavenly Father. It would be tragic if it were to remain an awkward conversation with him.